We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cast. Good morning. Have you ever been faced with a frustrating situation that seems out of your control and thought, if I could just take this into my own hands, I could fix it? Our guest today and one of his high school students had the same thought, and their ingenuity will see abandoned houses come to life and high school students receive hands-on experience that will prepare them for employment. The Carver House is one of 11 projects generated by the hearts and minds of the 2022 Open Society Institute Baltimore Community Fellows. OSI Fellows received $65,000 over 18 months to bring their projects to fruition. Michael Rosenband, a coach at Carver Vocational Technical High School in West Baltimore, is here to tell us about the Carver House Project. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So fill in some of the details. Where did the idea for this project come from? The, uh, the idea is, is, is from a student. Um, we were, um, I had coached, uh, been coaching at Carver uh, since 2012, uh, the baseball coach. And when I was uh, hired initially, I met with the athletic director and he said, here's the situation. We don't have our own field. Um, we're not in a position to get you to the, the field where you play, which is about two miles away. Uh, the budget is um, exhausted. We had to buy uh, new, safer baseball bats, and some of the students are going to be newer to the game. And I said, "Okay, what an opportunity!" Uh, I, it's not only for me the challenge, but I think there's an opportunity for students to be a part of solving some of these challenges, so that we can play the game of baseball. And uh, we had a 10-week season with um, uh, incredible successes, and students were engaged and. Um, what we realized with the right, um, curating the right experience and the right resources that we can all self-actualize. And at the end of the season, uh, one of our, our, our captains, Sterling Hardy said, you know, this is great coach, Mike, uh, we, we figured out baseball, but, um, we're not getting jobs and, um, we're being told that we don't have real world experience. And every single day when we arrive at school, we look over directly across the street and we see vacant dilapidating houses and we're learning the trades to fix these houses. And there just has to be a way for us to apply what we're learning in school to the real world. And that was really the, the genesis of, of the idea. So they were taking construction trades training in, in high school. Correct, correct. So uh, students at, at, at Carver, a, a historic trade school, the oldest of its kind in Maryland and the third oldest in the country, um, were focused uh, primarily initially with the construction trades, carpentry, masonry, electrical, uh, construction aid design. And um, what this project has been able to do is provide um, context for real world application. And there's an interconnectedness and interdisciplinary nature to it. So classmates learning different trades uh, have an opportunity to understand how these different trades uh, apply and, and interconnect. Where are you in the process? Well, we've we've acquired we've acquired um, one of the um, five vacant houses across the street. Um, we've we've done the the demo work. Um, we've done some initial renderings. We've added a roof. Um, we've done some uh, initial construction. We've um, built some temporary steps, a temporary door system. Um, and then we have d started to do some of the um, practice inside the Carver labs. The kind of construction we're doing, we're using building science, which not only has a climate impact, um, these kinds of, of structures emit 90% less carbon, but because of that, 
um, they there is an affordability component. They require 90% less power um, to to power the home, to condition the air. Um, so, but it takes it takes it takes some practice, and so we're able to do that practice um, in the classroom with with Carver teachers, so that we can uh, walk across the street and apply what we learn. Help me understand sort of the whole financing. I mean, who who owns that that house that you're working on? The, the Carver House is owned by uh, Requity Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit uh, that we started. My background is in business, and, and my focus had been, let's figure out what we can do from a business standpoint. Um, we don't necessarily need to have a nonprofit if we have a good business idea and we're meeting a, a, a need. Uh, and then as I as I got deeper into the work and and hopefully wiser, um, you realize that you know some of these challenges you know go back decades um you know before my lifetime and and the realization was that hey we need to do this in the kind of way we need to have a a chance of being successful we need a significant investment and so that kind of investment needs to come both from the public sector and the private sector and so we need an entity that can receive public dollars foundation dollars and so we set up a nonprofit to be able to do that that's Michael Rosenband, a 2022 Open Society Institute Baltimore Community Fellow, here on the record on WYPR. I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking about the Carver House project that will provide students, that is providing students at Carver Vocational Technical High School in West Baltimore, hands-on work and training that can lead to career opportunities. So how many, you're working on one house or more than one house? We're working on one house at the moment. It's a pilot project, and um, part of this notion of a, being a pilot is we need to be flexible and versatile. And so there's a lot of learning that is taking place. We're documenting the the the, uh, the focus or the goal is to create a framework or a blueprint so that it can be replicated um, for more houses, not only at Carver but at some of the other vocational schools in the city at Edmondson at Mervo and. One day, if we're successful, maybe we can take it uh, to other cities. Another piece of this is uh, working with um, the city. We were fortunate to have the housing commissioner, um, Kennedy, come to a, a press event in November, and we were able to share firsthand some of the challenges around getting site control of some of the additional vacant properties. There's a, a, a property that's um, uh, right next door to the Carver House that's also vacant and dilapidating that's privately owned um, that we are, we are trying to uh, work collaboratively with the owner to to either work with him or acquire the property. But that's a piece of this is making sure we have uh, more properties, more vacant houses that we can actually uh, do the work on. So trying to do our part to, um, you know, affect policy so that it can become easier to acquire some of these vacant houses for conscious developers. And so I assume the plan, this is in part of business, the plan is to sell these houses. Who who would have a chance to buy them? So this this initial one, we have a, a letter in, of intent from um, uh, Maryland Department of Housing and Community Development for a a construction loan. It's a net zero construction loan, so it, it's in line with the kind of construction that we're doing. It's very favorable terms, zero percent with extended payback. Um, one of the, the stipulations is that we would um, um, sell this to a a lower income uh, family initially and um, that's that's the the idea for the first one the next one what we'd like to do is create one that is more of a learning lab uh, that is constructed in a way that 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 um, 
people, students can come in and see how this kind of construction gets put together. And maybe there are elements that come down and, and, and go back up. But, uh, we, uh, you know, again, we have you know, there are five houses on this particular block and another two are empty. The block to the east also has vacant dilapidating houses. And so we, we are focused and we will just continue to try to acquire as many houses as we, as we possibly can and, and renovate with student work and, and provide homeownership opportunities for people in the community or want to become part of the community. How does what you're doing differ from apprenticeships, which have existed in the construction trades for decades, longer than decades. I mean, young people are paid by construction firms to learn, and they it is a job. So how is what you're doing different than that? Um, that's a good question. I, I, I mean, I think that we're, we're, we're trying to do this in a way that aligns with the school, aligns with the curriculum that um, makes sense with a, a, a student's um, schedule. So working with the trade teachers and the faculty at Carver so that we can work with students while they are in class, work with students while they are out of school during the summertime. So really thinking about how do we, how do we create an opportunity that fits with the, the current lifestyle of students and hopefully provide the kind of experience that positions them, poises them for opportunities for internships um, and apprenticeships. So part of our focus is also also to um, partner with companies, corporations out there that are looking for talent and being a bridge uh, for this young talent to those apprenticeships, internships, or career opportunities. How will you measure success? That's a great question. I mean, we we write grants, and so we talk about how uh, you know how many students are going to be able to work on a specific house, and so you know we think about twenty five students will have an opportunity to uh, to you know to build a home. Um, but I I you know I think that uh, those are those kinds of successes. But you know there's there when students have ideas and um, they're coming. Um, from them and they are inspired and when it starts to form a web and we grow and when we have an event or a meeting at the Carver house and a neighbor comes down and has a skill and meets a contractor and that contractor is looking for additional talent and that particular uh, neighbor has a skill and he gets hired that's success and so creating opportunities for networking for reasons for people to interact who want to you know do well in this world i think is a way that um, we think about uh, success what does this project mean to you personally thank you i've been searching i'm 51 i've been i've worked in a lot of different roles a lot of different companies a lot of different cities and i think for a long time i've i've struggled to find a livelihood that um, gives me meaning, gives me purpose um, when I wake up. And uh, and so I love what I'm doing and it's not without its challenges. Um, it's hard. Um, some of these changes, I, I've come to realize that, you know, we may not see and I may not see in my lifetime, um, but I, I feel as though I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing good work and the, we are 
have an opportunity to work with really incredible people. And um, so I think I'm I'm as touched <laughs> um, by these kinds of interactions as as I hope in some way and at times others are touched. And so it um, I feel I feel lucky. I feel fortunate. I feel um, Baltimore. I feel welcomed here. It's 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 been my home since 2010, and I really feel grateful to be a part of the community. Well, I wish you luck with this. Thank you. Michael Rosenband is a coach at Carver Vocational Technical High School in West Baltimore and an Open Society Institute Baltimore Community Fellow. The Carver House is one of 11 projects funded this year. Short break on the record. When we're back, another OSI Fellows idea for a registered apprenticeship that offers earn-while-you-learn training for high-wage careers in elevator repair. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record, I'm Sheila Kast. The age-old approach of learning a trade by apprenticing with an expert is picking up steam. Federal statistics show the number of apprentices in the U.S., people who earn while they learn in training programs registered with the government, has grown by two-thirds in the last decade. But sometimes it takes some extra preparation to get there. Our next guest believes it's worth the effort because hands-on, shoulder-to-shoulder experience alongside an expert who has perfected his craft and has the patience to teach can lead to employment opportunities that can change lives. Anthony Roberts, a 2022 Open Society Institute Baltimore Community Fellow, did the homework and discovered that apprenticeship training in elevator repair opens access to high-paying, highly skilled jobs that can be just the ticket to land someone solidly in the middle class. Over the next 18 months as an OSI Fellow, Roberts will receive $65,000 to develop the Registered Apprenticeship Sponsor Program. He's here to tell us about it. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you for having me, Sheila. I really appreciate uh, you having me on here today. Well, how did you come up with this very specific idea of a, an apprenticeship in elevator repair? Yeah, um, my father is a certified elevator mechanic, um, nationally certified, and um, just seeing, um, you know, witnessing firsthand um, what this career entails and what it takes to become a mechanic. And do you have a background in job skills development? I, I do have a background in workforce development. Um, and so with my background in workforce development, um, I married it with um, this trade, the specific trade and knowing how to develop a uh, meaningful, pro meaningful program um, for employers um, and also meeting people where they where they are to go through a rigorous program such as this. Well, tell me how the registered apprenticeship sponsor program will work. Yes, yeah, so um, we will um, recruit um, from um, a um, several local high schools for seniors that aren't planning to go to college. Um, we then we'll move them into what we call a pre-apprenticeship where um, we we will give career exploration um, to the students and that way they can actually see and 
and get a feel of what a uh, elevator mechanic would do. Um, and that during that 11 to 12 week pre-apprenticeship, um, they will receive a um, industry recognized credential through um, NAEC, which is the, the National Association of Elevator Contractors. Um, then they will move into a summer internship where they will be able to put the skills that they learned during the pre-apprenticeship into practice. And after the summer, participants move into the um, apprenticeship program. And for people who may not know apprenticeship is a term of art, what exactly do you mean by the apprenticeship program? The apprenticeship program is a earn while you learn model um, among employers where entry-level employees are able to come in to a trade and um, gradually go up a wage progression scale where um, how, however many hours are met or um, whatever test is being met generally, um, they're able to go up to another income bracket um, while still learning. So um, just for an example, the apprentice may go to work um, with a journeyman during the day and then during the evening, they will attend um, related instruction courses um, that will lead to their national certification. So in, in your program, this pre-apprenticeship that you're going to mm. start with, that you said that's open to anybody who uh, is a senior in high school and isn't planning to go to college? Yes, that's, that's actually the direction that we're starting now um, because of our we recently um, gained a partnership with the Career Academy High School um, where um, those students are overaged and under accredited. And um, we thought that would be a really, really great um, demographic to pilot um, a pre-apprenticeship component. And um, so normally anyone over 18. So these students happen to be over 18. That's Anthony Roberts, a 2022 Open Society Institute Baltimore Community Fellow. On the record on WIPR, I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking about his project, the Registered Apprenticeship Sponsor Program, a system of work experience and training that can lead to high-paying jobs in the elevator repair field. Elevator mechanic is already on the long list of registered apprenticeships approved by the Maryland Department of Labor. What's missing? I mean, what is the element that you are adding to make it more effective? Um, yes. So the element that um, that I, I actually saw that was not there or sort of maybe was missing the mark um, is that um, the pre-apprenticeship piece and the internship piece um, where um, I believe that um, students, and I'll call them students, um, could be better prepared before entering the apprenticeship. We do work with employer partners, and our commitment and our effort is to make our students as um, well-prepared for the rigors of a four-year apprenticeship as possible so that we can eliminate them changing their mind halfway through the apprenticeship um, or um, they just don't want to do it, or um, whatever barriers come up, we'd like to get them addressed during the pre-apprenticeship so that they are, um, you know, 100% ready to go um, when they start full-time employment. And when you say business partners, this is where mm -hmm. you're going to locate the journeyman elevator mechanics who will be mentors to your apprentices? 
Yes, absolutely. So um, we do have employer partners as well as community partners. Um, our employer partners are very key to not just the um, apprenticeship and hiring um, our, our pre-apprentices to become apprentice, apprentices, but um, they also are they also inform how our pre-apprenticeship component is designed. You know, giving you know the industry latest um, processes and procedures, um, and just being a mentor um, to me as well um, of how we should um, better prepare our pre-apprentices getting ready to enter the job market. Briefly, tell me about the community partners. Um, so, one of our um, community partners that um, will be very, very important in addressing the barriers of transportation is um, changing lanes, driving to school. Um, where they will be offering subsidized um, driver's education as well as covering the, if they pass their um, driver's education exam, they will get their driver's license for free. Um, and so that's a big thing um, in construction, being able to get to your work sites. So it, again, supports um, retention of apprentices. So how many apprentices do you hope to work with? Uh, so I, I'd, I'd love to work up to with 40, <laughs> um, um, but um, we'd like to start with 10. Um, that way we can actually uh, test this, um, this project um, to see if what we're adding, and that is the pre-apprenticeship and the internship, to, to see if, if the impact is there. And where are you in the process? Um, currently, we're in the pre-apprenticeship stage. We have 10 students um, that have committed um, with at, that are enrolled at the Career Academy, um, and we're providing in-school um, education. So we um, have been allotted um, time in this in their school day where they attend um, our training as a as a four-credit class, actually, and then they will go through the school year earning their. Um, VTMP, which is the credential that the NAEC offers, and then they will automatically um, be be prioritized in our summer internship. How will you measure success of your project? The one of the measurements, um, of course, is if the um, students gain their VTMP and then graduate from high school. That is another um, component. Um, and then entering into entering into and finishing the internship. And then um, another metric is, of course, being accepted into um, the apprenticeship. And then from there, we um, have metrics to check retention um, up to 180 days and then to year two to make sure that they enter into the second year of the apprenticeship. You mentioned your father is an elevator expert. So you had to learn a lot about this? I did. <laughs> I did. Um, I've done pretty extensive research um, um, on best practices within the industry um, and even um, supporting education around being a mechanic that may not necessarily pertain to um, being an elevator mechanic specifically, um, such as machining, is not necessarily um, something you'd learn um, in your apprenticeship, but it's something that's very, very helpful. And so we help, hope to incorporate that as well 
within the apprenticeship once they become apprentices. I, w- I wish you luck with this project. Thanks for telling us about it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Anthony Roberts is a 2020 Open Society Institute Baltimore Community Fellow. We've been talking about his project, the Registered Apprenticeship Sponsor Program, a system of work experience and training that will help underemployed people qualify for middle-class jobs repairing elevators. We've got more information about all of the 2022 OSI Fellows at the On the Record page at wypr.org. I'm Sheila Cass. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow.